crucifixion tonight that we honor. The crucifixion of Jesus brings a flood of emotions to our hearts as you've heard the scriptures read, as you've sung the hymns. You can imagine many things that come to your mind and to your hearts. On one hand, we see in scripture the emotional hurt and betrayal and eventual denial of Jesus by his closest friends. We see the agony, the brutality of the physical torture beyond what any of us could really imagine. And the most inconceivable to me is the son crying out to his father in heaven, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the why question that I'd like us to consider tonight. Why did Jesus suffer on the cross? Why did he go to the cross? On one hand, we have in scripture put before us commentary about what was going on in the hearts of the men who led Jesus to the cross, those who would betray him, those who would deny him, those who would bring him with uh, under guard, those who would try him. And we see what was going on in their hearts. As we consider the brutality, as we consider the emotional pain, on the other hand, this day we celebrate. We celebrate the climax of redemptive history. We see the fulfillment of myriads and myriads of prophecies. We see the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. On one hand, we see punishment, but that punishment brings us peace. Our hearts are conflicted in how to feel on this good Friday as we consider the death of Jesus. While terrible, painful, is for us our good. I love the way that Isaac Watts puts this contradiction together. He says, see from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet or thorns compose so rich a crown? There are a lot of ironies in the cross of Christ, a lot of cruel ironies that make us consider what happened in history. We can see a kiss from a friend that was used as a sign for betrayal. We see the rock Peter fall to pieces when confronted by a servant girl. We see the crowd that called for an innocent man's death let a guilty man go free. The eternal creator of the universe is put to death by his creature. The rightful king of kings is mockingly treated as king of the Jews. And the great high priest who normally brings the sacrifice is himself the sacrifice for sin. As I imagine what was going on in the hearts of the men who led Jesus to the cross, I think of Acts 2.23 when Peter says, This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. I want us tonight to look at the drama surrounding the crucifixion. I want us to see through the lens of scripture into the hearts of some of the major players that were the lawless men who crucified Jesus. But in the midst of their lawlessness and their sin and their hearts who were Infected with sin, we see the plan of God unfold. We see a sovereign God 
who according to his definite plan and his foreknowledge brought his son to the cross. I think as we look at the hearts of these sinful men, we'll recognize that our hearts aren't too different in many ways. We'll see our sin. But throughout this, this look, we will see also the love of the Savior. Let's pray. Father, we pray that tonight as we look at your word, as we look at these characters in this drama, that we would consider ourselves. Lord, that we would act, actually examine and contemplate how we fall prey to the same sinful heart attitudes that these men who crucified our Savior fell into. But Lord, keep the cross of Christ ever before us and the reason that Christ went for the forgiveness of our sins. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's first consider Judas and then we'll look at Peter. We'll go on to examine the chief priests and the elders, the crowd, Pilate, the soldiers, and finally Herod, some of the main players, the major roles in this drama. Judas, I believe the sinful heart attitude that scripture points out to us is that of greed and treachery. Listen to Matthew 26, 14 to 16. Then one of the 12, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. In Ju Judas's heart, we saw both a desire for gain. What will you give me? What can I get out of this proposition? Always looking to increase, always looking to get more. The greed that filled his heart then showed forth in treachery. He was, from that moment on, after he had sealed the deal, he was seeking for an opportunity. Treason, treachery. He was looking for a way to get his way. Michael Card in his song on the cross of Christ said, why did it have to be a friend who chose to betray the Lord? Why did he use a kiss to show them? That's not what a kiss is for. What about our greed? What about our selfishness? Where we want so much, we desire to get more. We're never satisfied. We see Judas, selfish and greedy for money. But what are we looking for? Are we looking for more power, more fame, more time? How about more attention? How about more respect and appreciation? And if our greed goes out of control and we want and desire we fall in the same trap that Judas did. But no, I'm not like Judas. Judas, he went to the extreme. I have my greed under control. I'm moderate in my greed. Well, there's no moderation when it comes to greed. It starts to devour us and take us. But consider Peter. And I'll spend just a moment on Peter because Pastor Tony spent time with him on Sunday. We see in Peter the sinful heart attitudes of pride and self-sufficiency. In Matthew 26, 33 to 35, Peter answered him, though they all fall away from you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, truly I tell you this tr the truth, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter says, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And the disciples said the same. We see in Peter a pride a self-sufficiency. No, I can do it. I can do it. 
we also see in his heart, even in his pulling out the sword in defense of Jesus, rushing ahead with his own plan rather than sticking to God's plan, sticking to the plan that the Savior let before him. Peter, can you just watch and pray? Came to him again, as was read tonight, in the, the garden. His orders were to watch and pray. Not defend me, not stop the crowd, not defend me against the soldiers. It was watch and pray. What about the chief priests and elders? In them, I think we see the heart of envy. Because in Matthew 27, even Pilate saw what was in their hearts. For Pilate knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. The chief priests and the elders were tired of Jesus getting all the glory. They wanted that for themselves. They wanted the power. They wanted the control. But what do we want? What are we looking for? What do we want that somebody else has? What do we desire? We think in our hearts, if I only had what they have, then I'd be happy. I need what they have. I'll take what they have. Or I'll obsess in my mind so much that I got to have that next car, that next house, the better position at work. I want to have more intelligence if I had their popularity, if I just had their personality or their family stability, the peace in their home. There's so many things that we want, and we think once we get them, we'll be happy. The chief priests thought that the way for them to be happy was for Jesus to be out of the picture. Envy. The crowd, as we see in a number of occasions, the crowd appears deceived and demanding. I'm never that way, never demanding. Never deceived, I'm sharp enough to pick up on things, right? Mark 15, 11 to 14 says, but the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him released for them, Barabbas instead. And Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with the man you call king of the Jews? And they cried out again, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, why, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. We won't listen to reason. We're insisting, we're demanding that we have it our way. And yet they were deceived. They fell prey to the plan of the chief priests and the elders who had stirred up the crowd. They were taken captive by this view that the chief priests put in their minds. And then they kept on going, insisting on their way. Do you find yourself sometimes taken captive and just fixated on a wrong way of thinking? And then you insist, and you insist, until you reach a point where somebody who loves you says, no, that's not the way. Don't you see what's going on? We demand our own way at times. But did you notice Pilate in the midst of this drama? Pilate shows us the heart of cowardice and the fear of man. Mark 15, 15 says, So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas, and having scourged, Je scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Wishing to satisfy the crowd. That was his heart's desire. How can I keep people happy? How can I keep people liking me? Do you ever wonder those things? Who are you trying to satisfy? Who are you trying to keep happy? If I just keep my boss happy, if I just keep my coworkers happy, if I just keep my friends at school happy, if I just do this, then people will think better of me. Who are we trying to satisfy more than we're trying to satisfy God? 
they become an idol in our heart. We're serving and bowing down to them. And the cowardice of Pilate, who couldn't stand for himself. He couldn't stand for what he knew was right. This is an innocent man. But he wouldn't act on what he knew to be true. Do we sometimes know the truth, but are too cowardly to stand for it? The soldiers, too. The soldiers show us what a heart of cruelty and mockery. In Mark 15, the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole battalion, and they clothed him in a purple cloak, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him, and they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed, and spitting on him, and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. The cruelty of these soldiers. It seems like they were so bored they had nothing better to do than to be so cruel. Well, we can be cruel too. We can be cruel with our tongue. Even if we're not twisting together a crown of thorns to hurt somebody or whipping somebody physically, we... We use our words and we use our attitudes. We use a look that can be so cruel to one another. And the mockery, the mockery that we can have to our voice, the pride that we have that thinks we're better than others. And finally, Herod. Herod is interesting because he was actually very glad to see Jesus. What was in his heart, though? It wasn't a heart of joy to see Jesus. It was a heart that desired Jesus to perform for him. When Herod in Luke 23 saw Jesus, he was very glad for he had long desired to see him because he had heard about him. He was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him, and Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then arraying him in splendid clothing, sent him back to Pilate. We see in Herod what seemed to be a desire and a joy to see someone turns into, I want you to perform. I want you to do a miracle for me, Jesus. I heard about all the neat things you do. I want you to do it for me. And when he didn't, he flew into a rage. Contempt, anger, bitterness took over. He no longer loved to see Jesus. He was no longer glad to see Jesus. He was angry, full of contempt. Sometimes in our hearts, can we realize that we want Jesus to do something for me? We need Jesus to fix this. What's the last thing that Jesus did for me? They get all this. I see this going well for them. Jesus, what about me? When's it my turn? And when we don't get from Jesus what we've asked for, what we expect, what we demand, we get angry, bitter. We feel like we've been left out. Have you seen in these characters their heart of sin and all of their sinful hearts led to sinful actions or sinful lack of action that then brought Jesus to the point where he was to be crucified we share the same sinful heart attitudes if we truly think about it we share the sinful heart attitudes that drove these people to send Christ to the cross Consider this. These are the same sinful heart attitudes that compelled Jesus 
to willingly go to the cross. You see, it was not a mistake. It was not out of control. It was not a surprise at the end of Jesus' life that all of a sudden things went terribly wrong and he was crucified. Although these men were lawless, although they were sinful in their attitudes and their actions, it was God's plan. It was God's idea. According to the purpose and foreknowledge of God, Jesus was crucified. Putting together the sinfulness of man and the plan of God into one cruel irony that all the sinful heart desires of these men pushed and drove Jesus to the cross. But in God's plan, behind the scenes, God was at work for all those sins that I share and you share with these lawless men, Jesus willingly came. He came to offer his life a sacrifice. The priest who himself is the sacrifice that he brings to satisfy God's justice. Year after year, the priests would come with their sacrifices, but none of it could, could atone for sin. This drama of sacrifice for sin was played out for them every year in the Day of Atonement. This year was different. This year, we see the Son of God become man and give his life. We see the punishment that brings us peace upon him. Let's pray. Father, we recognize in our hearts that we are greedy and treacherous. We have pride and self-sufficiency all over us. Our hearts are full of envy. We demand and insist on our own way and are often deceived. Lord, we're cowards. We're fearful of what other people think. We can be cruel. We often mock. And we expect you to perform for us. And we are bitter when you don't. Forgive us, Father. Forgive us for our sins. And we are rejoicing this evening that we can ask for your forgiveness and know that you can forgive because payment has been made. Your wrath has been satisfied. Your just judgment poured out on the innocent Son of God, your only Son, Jesus. For this, we're eternally grateful. We thank and praise you in Jesus' name.